You're listening to Understanding Micah, which is part of our Understanding the Old Testament series. And our goal is to make the Old Testament accessible to you. Micah's message is very simple. In chapters 1 to 2, we see that Jerusalem must repent for their injustice and idolatry. So they're stealing land from the poor, and they're going after false gods, the gods of the nations. And their failure to repent is the reason why God has sent Assyria knocking at their door, right at their gates. So in Micah chapter 3, Micah takes aim at the leaders of Jerusalem, the prophets, the rulers, and the priests. Now, as I read chapter 3, take note of how Micah distinguishes himself from false prophets. This is Micah chapter 3. And I said, Hear, you heads of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel. Is it not for you to know justice? You who hate the good and love the evil, who tear the skin off from my people and their flesh from off their bones, who eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them and break their bones in pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. Then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because they have made their deeds evil. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray, who cry peace when they have something to eat, but declare war against him who puts nothing into their mouths. Therefore, it shall be night to you without vision and darkness to you without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets and the day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced and the diviners put to shame. They shall all cover their lips for there is no answer from God. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. Hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, who detest justice and make crooked all that is straight, who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. Its heads give judgment for a bribe. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets practice divination for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins and the mountain of the house a wooded height. So Micah addresses the rulers and the prophets and the priests of Israel. And this is a really important thing to grasp because these are the people tasked with governing Israel, not just in in governmental affairs, but in worship. The king and the priests, uh, they, they are the chief worshipers. They're the examples. They're the set an example of godliness. But they're completely corrupt. And I think, you know, there's a lot of talk about church leaders and abuses and all kinds of terrible things happening. And I think it's sobering to realize that whether in churches in America or whether in governments across human history, there's going to be corruption, there are sinners, and that's what happens, and it's no different than in the ancient Near East or in Micah's day. He's dealing with politics, he's dealing with shadiness, he's dealing with greed, he's dealing with injustice, he's dealing with lies. All these things are happening around him. Micah decides to be 
politically incorrect, or maybe prophetically correct is the way to put it. He's going to address head on the sins of those who are at the head of Jerusalem's life. So first he addresses the rulers. These are probably political figures or even judges, people tasked with discerning what is just and different sentences and verdicts. So these are not just political leaders, but judicial leaders. And their character is so morally corrupt that they're, that they're confusing, or not really confusing, but they're actually hating good and loving evil. Their moral compass is totally screwed up. And the very ones called by God to protect his people are now cannibalizing them. I mean, it's pretty graphic. They tear and eat skin, break and devour bones. They oppress those who are weak. They shatter their people. And God has a very strong response to this. He says, if you do that, if you are cannibalizing your own people or really my people, I'm going to shut my ear to your prayers. God takes it seriously. He's going to hide his face from them because, verse 4, they have made their deeds evil. That's first. That's the rulers. Second, Micah addresses the prophets. Now, There were a bunch of prophets apparently running around, and and maybe they had had a prophetic ministry early on, but now they've become corrupt. So their rookie year, they were godly, and they predicted famines, or it came to pass, or they had a good word from the Lord. But now their moral life is so corrupt that they're no longer God's spokespeople. They're completely, in fact, they're probably spokespeople for another uh, influence. Um, One of the things that they do is that they say peace— when people feed and pay them, but say war when those favors are stopped. In other words, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. If you feed me and you know pay for all my stuff that I want, I'll say peace. I'll, I'll say that God wants blessing for you. But man, if you stop those favors, I'm going to say that God wants to judge you, that he's going to bring war. They're completely corrupt. And this shows a contrast to Micah. Micah, on the other hand, is a true prophet filled with justice, might, and power by the Spirit of the Lord. A true prophet stands for the truth regardless of what earthly or social comforts he may lose. He's no respecter of persons. He can't be bought. He doesn't care about hypersensitivity. He doesn't care about how powerful you are in society. What he cares about is fidelity to the Word of God. What he cares about is obedience to the one true God. And he's willing to risk everything in his life to speak that out loud, especially to the people who need to hear it. And God fills this true prophet with his spirit, but he removes the prophetic gift from those false prophets. He makes them go dark. He makes it go, uh, he essentially renders them ineffective. And this is really important because these false prophets are no longer trusting in the Lord. Instead, they're trusting in their own social or economic power. But Micah, on the other hand, trusts in the Lord. It's not a matter of social influence, power, money, whatever. It is divine might that empowers the prophet to speak the truth. And the rulers of Israel that surround Micah have made Jerusalem, which is referred to as Zion, a city of blood and sin. They have completely corrupted God's city. Rulers are bribed, priests teach for their personal gain, and prophets practice pagan divination for money. 
They're, they're becoming fortune tellers. They're fusing the true religion of the one true God with the pagan religions around them. And what's worse is these corrupt rulers and prophets think that they're quote unquote getting away with it. And they're saying the Lord's among us. He's not going to judge us. They assume that God's patience with them is his approval, but judgment will come. They assume the fact that they've been able to get away with all this corruption and nothing's happened is a sign that God really doesn't care what he's, what they're doing, or, or maybe that they're even, you know, pulling a fast one on God. But Micah wants to disabuse them of any illusions of safety. He says, listen, Zion, it's going to be destroyed. It's going to be plowed as a field. And Jerusalem is going to be a heap of ruins. This is not a popular message. This is not your best life now that Micah is saying. And this is a terrifying portrait of what happens when people presume upon grace, when people sin that grace may abound, to borrow the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 3. Now, there's a portion of hope that comes from this. In Luke 4, 18 to 19, we see Jesus quoting the Old Testament. He quotes a portion of Isaiah 61. And this is what he says in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So Jesus realizes that he is in the line of the prophets because the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. He had a prophetic ministry. He's the anointed Messiah. He is filled with the Spirit, just like Micah, with justice, power, and might. And what does he do? He proclaims liberty. He sets straight, crooked paths. He, he brings moral order to a moral uh, wasteland. And he brings true justice, not only to Israel, but to all the nations. He proclaims liberty to captives. He gives sight to the blind. And those who are oppressed, remember that word oppressed is used in Micah 2, to the people whose land is being taken away by these rich land barons. Jesus says, I've come to make that right. And it is fitting that this spirit-anointed messenger be a humble poor and sorrowful man himself. That's why he says, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. This is a great reversal. It's not the powerful in society. It's not those who are proud of their own wealth or even their own religiosity. Those are not the people who inherit the kingdom of God. It's the humble. It's the poor in spirit. It is those who recognize that it's only through divine might and divine grace that salvation can be attained. And Jesus comes as that Messiah to say, my kingdom is not like the kingdoms of the world. And I am coming to right all wrongs, to redeem those who are lost, and to bring justice where injustice reigns. And this is central to Jesus' message, that he is not playing around with sin. That he's, It's not like Jesus is the nice God and the Old Testament God is the one you know, who's like trigger happy. No, Jesus is very concerned with going after those who would lead God's people astray. And he comes anointed by the Spirit to set straight what has become crooked. 
In the next episode, we're going to look at Micah chapter 4, and we're going to get a vision of hope, of restoration, of light beyond the coming darkness.